Hey, storytellers. If you like the show, you can find Life Narrated on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever streaming service you use. It really helps others find the podcast and validates our existence. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Thanks for listening. storytellers and welcome to life narrated the podcast about life and the stories we tell my name is emily and i am a sentient life form trying to communicate with you in your own language my name is lauren and i'll be your chadich i'm brian i'm smoother than a william Riker trombone solo (laughs) and i'm matt senior starfleet historian awesome and today we're going to be talking about star trek real quick so if anybody's like who the fuck is brian (laughs) well guys Hi. Every podcast has a Brian, and we got ours. Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all we're, leveled up. We're a real podcast now. So welcome, yeah. Brian. Brian, for those Do you who, want to introduce Brian? Yeah. For, Aww, for, people that, for people that listen to our podcast and know um, that I talk about my husband, that's who Brian is. <laughs> Hi. It's the I most exist. roundabout way of saying There is someone here on the podcast who is also the man I live with and is my husband. His name is Brian. I yes. I mouth kiss him and he is Brian <laughs> and I'm married to him and I've I've referred to him many a time on our podcast. He's a lovely human being and he has um, come down from on high to to record with us. AKA we got the baby to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, he's also seen all of Next Generation, so it was a good a it was times. a good one to bring yeah. him in on. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, we we're going to talk about Star Trek, and um, I, me and Matt have both watched this as we were kids, and Matthew has rewatched it since then, but I have not, so I've been trying to catch up and watch as much of The Next Generation as possible, even though I have seen a bunch of it, because um, we wanted to talk about it. Matthew, you wanted to start with the history. Yeah, so um, uh, a lot of the information I'm going to talk about right now is coming from this Vox article by Carolyn Seedy. Uh, it's called Star Trek Explained for Non-Trekkies, uh-huh. and it came out on the 50th anniversary in t- uh, 2016, and uh, it's just a really good resource for you guys to look at if you're interested about Star Trek and are not don't want to like spend all the time watching the episodes. Uh, so in 2016, I suppose it was the 50th anniversary of Star Trek. Star Trek is a, is a franchise, uh, spans a bunch of different uh, television series, as well as like a bunch of movies. I can't, I don't know exactly how many, but... Probably oh, around so ten so movies many. at this point. One had a whale in it. That's One, my favorite. Star Trek Three, good, good, uh, good whale. <laughs> uh, so Fucking whales. Good whale with, content. <laughs> good whale content, right? It started with the original seri- series with William Shatner as uh, Commander Kirk. That had seventy nine episodes from ninety or er, nineteen sixty six to nineteen sixty nine. Then they made ten too many. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It's not my favorite. <laughs> not my favorite. Sixty nine, nice. Uh, <laughs> Next was uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, and that had 178 episodes for seven seasons and ran from 87 to 94. That started the year I was born. And that is the, the, the good shit right there. That's like... That's the good stuff. Yeah, I have opinions on why that is, but let's continue. We'll get to it, yeah. Next was Deep Space Nine, the TV series. 
Ran for seven seasons, uh, 176 episodes from 93 to 99. How? I just, oh. It gets good. It just gets, how? Yeah, we got to talk about it because I have opinions yeah, yeah. that are it opposite gets good. of yours, it's opinion, good. apparently. <laughs> then was uh, Voyager. Ran for seven seasons, 179 episodes, or 172 episodes from 95 to 2001. Uh, then Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, ran for four seasons, 98 episodes from 2001 to 2005. Huh. Was and that the one with um, Scott Bakula in it? It is. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I did oh, not watch I that. Google I'm watching face. it again now. <laughs> <I'm not laughs> I, I ran out of other Star Treks. Like, I'm like scraping <laughs> the bottle of the barrel here. <laughs> I have uh, the full DVD set of um, that other Scott, Scott Bakula TV show. Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap, yeah. That's a good it was too. a gift. He's a good... I ha- haven't watched it. <laughs> okay, and then... Uh, Recently, I think in 2017, they released a new series called uh, Star Trek Discovery, which had two seasons and um, was just awful. And then just this like year, or yeah, no, it was this year, they released Star Trek Picard, which brings back Jean right. Picard, Patrick Stewart from the uh, the captain of the uh, the Enterprise in uh, the Next Generation. As, and I haven't seen it yet because it's uh, behind paywalls that I don't care to pay for. It's not anymore due to the pandemic. Yeah, they made it free. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, they made CBS All Access available. Oh, we have to watch that because then, I need to see this yeah, so bad. Yeah, I want to watch it. Okay. Uh, so, <gasps> yeah. There's also a bunch of movies. Um, famously, J.J. Abrams kind of rebooted the series uh, a couple of years ago with like a bunch of different um, stuff in a, a series of two movies that... So much lens flare. So much lens flare. Yeah, there's a lot of lens flare. I do want to talk about, like, because one of the things that Star Trek is kind of famous for is being very progressive in mm. a lot of ways. Like, like, like we, socially. Yeah, socially progressive. Like we talked about before in another, on another episode um, that there was the first interracial kiss on Star Trek um, on television. Mm-hmm. And then this, this one that I'm watching now of the next generation there's a lot of themes of like it's supposed to be this like society that has gone beyond wealth accumulation and beyond all these other things and so they are supposed to have very progressive views of things which i think is interesting like a utopious uh, communism (laughs) yeah i have a lot of questions about like what normal people who aren't in the military do in this society i have a few answers how do you like confused by it as well so we can talk through that yeah, how do you end up being a cocktail waitress in Ten Forward? Like, how do you just like, oh, my life has led me to like, this is my passion. I want to wipe down the tables on a yeah. spaceship. Deep space <laughs> like, no, no, please don't tip me. Like, yeah, because yeah, we no don't need pays. money, apparently. Yeah. So, okay. It's like, some kind of communism, I think. Um, and then you got the Ferengis over here going like, you know. In the next generation days, the Ferengi were... Very different than they are in the yeah. DS9 version. They're kind of yeah. a boogeyman yeah. situation. Uh, in DS9, they're kind of more of like a, a fun, weird friend. And then, yeah, in the next generation, they're kind of like cutthroat capitalists. I mean, they're still cutthroat capitalists, but they're like kind of cuddly in they're, DS9. They're funny. Yeah, yeah. Also, um, it's important to note that like a lot of the stuff on Star Trek, like the future technology and stuff, is like served as inspiration for like real technology we have today. And like, yes. it's not a... It's in that way kind of impacted our culture in ways that 
um, you know, are more important than just like being good TV. I I was thinking about that because Star Wars came out in 1977, and they um they were very. A switch-based technology, let's call it. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's a ton of switches, and there's lots of, like, manual, like, toggles and things to pull. It was and, a like, long, long time ago. It was. <laughs> and, and I appreciate the new movies because they, they hardcore maintain that technology, and it's great. There's nothing that can really, like, tons of things cannot be just transmitted. It has to be, like, plugged in. Places, <laughs> yeah. Physically plugged in. Which I, is great for, like, the but new in, movies, the old movies. You're like, really? You thought this was going to continue? <laughs> but for Star Wars, everything is a is a screen, and it's a touch screen, and everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same. Oh, you mean Star Trek? That is what I meant. For Star Trek, everything is a touch, sc- <laughs> touch screen. So it's interesting you say that, though, because the original series, everything was a button and a toggle and a switch oh. and, like, a dial. Yeah, yeah. like, it looked much That's more. That's a big jump. Yeah, it looked much more like um, like the inside of like a submarine or something. Like all the the, the lights flashing and the buttons and stuff, and that was like ah. a, an artifact of the time. I think it was you know ninety yeah. six or sixty six. So like they could not conceive of like a, touch screens. Yeah, but then yeah. to the next generation's credit, like whoever did the set design and like the the world building on that sh- uh, show was like really kind of pushed forward the idea of like what interfaces would be like which is like another one that's just like you don't even think about it but that was existing way before touchscreens yeah and the the funny thing about it too is that when they show a screen it's always like nonsense (laughs) or like it's it's either like a stationary image that they're like oh look at that yes (laughs) (laughs) or or it's like uh there's like a a bar on the side of it and there's like information scrolling yeah. And it's just like a tiny little screen where the information is <laughs> scrolling and the rest of it is stationary. I think it's important so. to to recognize that like it like they didn't get it exactly right. Like they didn't understand like what would oh, be yeah, important to people of like the future, but they tried like they got the concept right, you know, the overall yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like trying to use that that UI would be like horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. I also really <clears throat> love the talking about the differences between like set design from the old to the next generation the not the original the original to the next generation is how how much lighter next generation is like okay so the first season is just shitty lighting but (laughs) the space itself is like cleaner and wider and there's you know there's like more there's more room for literally everyone there's it's like neutral tones it's very bright Hmm. and then you look at like other other ships within like a Klingon ship is going to be really dark and moody. But if you look at the original show, their bridge was also pretty like compact. And like you said, Matt, like everybody just had a, like an array of panels Mm. around them and, and it was very dark. Like the lighting was very dark. So So I feel like that idea of like going into the future, everything's brighter. Yeah. That's interesting you, you say that, too, because um, I'm watching Star Trek Enterprise right now, uh, which is uh, the one of the later series to come out, but it takes place yeah. before the Federation even exists. It's about the first ship called the Enterprise. Right, and right, all yeah. their interfaces look just like what like the inner, inside of like a, uh, a modern submarine looks like, and they all have like these very kind of like flight suit looking uniforms. Oh, interesting. And like so it's interesting to see how the the UI and or not the UI but like the 
the interiors and the, the costumes change over time as, like, the te- technology gets more advanced. So, like, there's a lot Like, of, they actually thought about it. Yeah, for sure. In this show, it, it really seems like they're they're on, like, a military vessel of some kind, even though it's not the military, technically. But, like, it's a it's an operational vessel, you know? I would like to say that does not extend to the leisure wear. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can we talk about the outfits for a second? Like, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I, let's go to Riza. What's up? Yeah. So, I, I don't want... Okay. Not to detract from the gravitas that uh, Patrick Stewart brings to the next generation, but, like... Him in this, like, short, short onesie with a v-neck. <laughs> it's just like... How about everybody sleeps in fucking rompers? Yeah. <laughs> that like, are like, yeah, like, deep-cut v-neck romper with, shorts. Like, and then they're is. like, I'm so sorry to disturb you, Captain. They're very like, advanced. Yeah. They're very advanced. And, like, you might not understand where they come so from. In the middle of the night, you want to you wanna just get completely naked to go to the bathroom? Like, is that, is that where we're at? Liz, the camel in the, toe. In the future, they just teleport the poop right out of you. <laughs> so I don't think... I think this eventually became a thing, but um, I did notice, like, rewatching Next Generation, every single time Picard or Riker stands up, they have to grab their shirt and readjust it. Yeah. <laughs> like, because they're just like, yep, pajama suits. Okay, let's... Uh... <laughs> and so I've, I've put a lot of thought into this recently, because I'm writing, like, a sci-fi story, and, like, what do people wear in space? I've actually <laughs> called Lauren about this a couple times. <laughs> but, like... This is, is this what people wear in space? Like, is this the most efficient thing? Well, it would have to be well, some kind depends. of jumpsuit or romper because, like, you can't have it floating around if you happen to get into zero gravity, right? That's like, true. a dress or they a skirt. They can just teleport it fly. out of themselves. Sorry, what, Brian? Are you talking about? I'm sorry. They can just teleport it out of themselves. They just go <laughs> to the bathroom and the, <laughs> they don't have to unzip anything. <laughs> well, that's what, yeah, that's what Matt was saying. And that's why our features are so, like, Bright. <laughs> we can expect that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Just, all live in onesies and orange lipstick, I guess. I just, I don't know. Oh, yeah. And, like, I just, and I love, to the, um, the, like, any kind of, like, diplomat or whatever. It's always, like, some kind of just really weird ass, like, head thing. Yeah, mm. yeah. And they always have, like, a little, a little collar and, like, broad shoulders. Their outfits I don't know. Like, I'm sure it was really fun doing the costume design <laughs> for that because it was just like, no, no, but more like more fugly, <laughs> like <laughs> more ruffles. Yeah. I need more. Um, like, um, Deanna's mom has oh some God. really like well, choice she's a outfit. very flamboyant character. This is the uh, the counselor from the Star Trek Enterprise in the Next Generation. Her mother is just out there, it's wild. I have not encountered her again. Um, so I'm excited. (laughs) I do appreciate that. Oh, so I was going to say, um, what's his name? Uh, LeVar Burton, his Mm -hmm. Jordy, Jordy, his, um, visor is definitely like a hairpiece sprayed silver, um, (laughs) just connected. Cause my mom used to have those hairpiece. You know what I'm talking about? uh, Um, Lauren that like, Oh, like a banana clip. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, when I was a kid, I would see my mom's hair clips, and I'd be like, are these what Jordy wears? <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's definitely just, like, glued shut and sprayed painted silver. <laughs> I mean, speaking of, like, being uh, kind of ahead of its time, like, that was, like, one of the, like, first representations of, like, a main character who had a disability. That's true, and I just watched yeah. that episode where um, he meets the, the guy who's deaf, um, who's the the... 
negotiator. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and that was who has the chorus. Yeah, he has the chorus, which is pretty cool. That was such an interesting concept. He's like, I have this guy who reasons, and this girl who is like a balance, and this guy who likes to fuck. And (laughs) And what more do you need? Look, and see, a woman, a woman from the same race would have like ten of those people, (laughs) and he's he just, and he's like, no, no, I just need three. I just need three. I have three modes. The scholar, the balanced one, and I'm down. DTF. So. Yeah. <laughs> DTF diplomacy. <laughs> the world would be a better place if you ask me. Yeah. Um, do So we were supposed to talk about why we were doing this. Um, <laughs> yeah, just. I, felt, I feel like we can do multiple episodes on Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. maybe this one is just, like, setting a groundwork and talking about, like, I don't know. Specifically, I would like to talk about um, Deep, uh, not Deep Space Nine, uh, The Next Generation. Uh, maybe now it's going to turn into a Star Trek podcast. When you guys are always bringing <laughs> Harry Potter. Every episode I'm bringing Star Trek. I was just about to say, and this it's very be... much like Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, all right. It would be funny if so, you and Brian had like your secret Star Trek yeah. podcast, and we because we have our secret yeah. Harry Potter podcast. Yeah, I know about um, that now. <laughs> oh, we're already like we've recorded a couple episodes. We're editing. That's right. Now. We're working <laughs> on it. We're on our way. Look out in July. <laughs> um, I wanted to come back to the concept of DTF diplomacy. Um, okay. <laughs> Brian, you had some thoughts on that. Um, that particular Specifically score. with Riker, I think. I mean, it's, uh, well, it that's pretty much his character. Uh. <laughs> I mean, like, he's a, I, he's a noble guy. Like, he's definitely has, like, a, um, a code of ethics. Like, he's, you know, but, but at the same time, he's, uh, just kind of known for his... Was it you who said, um... Lauren, that he he was like, uh, had a consent boner all the time. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't you. Someone I was talking to someone else about this, and he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Riker's Riker's got a consent boner because he always asks for consent." Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. And listen, yeah, like you can't no. judge him for being handsome and dashing and like an <laughs> officer in the Starfleet. Like ladies can't help themselves, and that's not his fault. And he's good at diplomacy. He's very good at diplomacy. He's just so good. Have you seen diplomacy, his diplomacy? You know what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> um, one thing I do want to like about Riker's uh, like dick diplomacy is that um, <laughs> yes, is that he's like also got this on again, off again thing with uh, Deanna Troy. And yeah, yeah. It's also it's like very healthy example of like what polyamory might look like. And I only realized that uh, in the last couple of years as I got to know more polyamorous people, but, like, they, um, they, like, have a really good relationship. Like, there'll be episodes where Riker's, like, staring down some girl and Deanna's like, go on. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gives her a kiss and, like, does it. It's not weird to them. Us as the audience might be like, wait, are they together now? And then you realize that, like you were saying, Matt, like, oh, I mean... Yeah, they're going on a date and they're going to kiss and they love each other a bunch. But, you know, and, and I, I love that if only because, I mean, that's not my normal, but <laughs> I like the idea that we're talking about, right, like other kinds of love being represented and that 
we as an audience are always like rooting for certain things and love interests are definitely like a big part of why you know people will be like oh i just really just want to watch them kiss or fuck or something you know <laughs> right. and that like so i think they do a good job of kind of keeping you on your toes and like kind of upending that trope of like most television yeah and it's definitely and like if you think about it, it's like 1987 is when the next generation started so like that's yeah. pretty progressive for that time like yeah 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 so i i also think we wanted to talk about episodes we loved um you want to get into that um, before we do, I do also want to talk about the concept of having like a chief emotional officer on board because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> that's great. She's a counselor, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I first of all, I think it's pretty sexist that we have a chief engineering officer and a chief security officer, but we don't have a chief emotional officer, which is clearly <laughs> what her job is. That's actually she a good she's in charge. Yes, that's true. <laughs> she sits right next to the captain. So, like, why is her? Why is she not the chief of something? <laughs> honestly, very true. Also, yeah. like having having her sit there and just like be like emotionally, this is what's happening, and then the captain like just taking her seriously and taking her counsel okay. seriously. So here is a legitimate Harry Potter reference. Okay. Um, oh God. <laughs> Because I just realized, as much as I don't like Troy as a character, she is like the Hermione in the sense that, like, how many times, like you, like you just said, Emily, how many times has like Picard been like Deanna, and like she said, "Here's what I think is going on," or like, yeah. "Here's what I think you should do," and like without her, because it, it would, to me, it's implied that like all ships have a ship's counselor, but they're not all Beta Zeds oh, or okay. Beta Zoids. Beta Zoids, yeah. So, like, they are at such an advantage because she can, you know, I mean, that's why she's sitting next to him, right? So that any contact or communication with another world, she can kind of try to, like, help guide that. Yeah. She's the fucking Hermione of the Enterprise. (laughs) She is. She, she, uh, and she even, like, confronts the captain on his shit. She's like, you are really emotional right now, and you need to examine why that is. (laughs) And I was like, and he took her seriously, which is, like... And this is very much a, like, female thing that she's representing, and it would be normal for him to be like, whatever, I'm not listening to you, you know? But no, <laughs> he takes her very seriously, everything she says. Is, That's a really so, good point. You know, I really, I appreciate that. I like, I'm liking Diana, uh, Deanna more and more every episode. You might have, you might have <laughs> Despite all the yarn anyway. on her head. Um, yarn that's her hair that's just rude <laughs> it's not her hair that's that someone weird. else's Honestly, hair what a feminist <laughs> icon in a wig she is yeah, yeah. star trek rude. the next generation is the story of the different hairstyles of the early 90s yeah <laughs> it's the early the the 80s Detroit. yeah it comes oh, back yeah. around in cycles you know and oh yeah. and um beverly oh don't yeah. beverly's had some fun here yeah it's never I, quite as showy as troy but it's <laughs> it's good i the there are some like side characters in this first season that have like this really blown out 80s hair and i'm just like whoa is that practical on a spaceship like let's real talk how much also, hairspray is going so, in there how Emily, much time yeah are you watching the first season of start of the next generation Yes. I'm on the second now. Okay. I was about to say, you could just skip the first season. It's not good. <laughs> no, it was, it oh, was pretty interesting. The production one, value got so much better. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes um, I, is from the first season, which brings us to the, the episode thing, Nice. Matthew. Good transition, Emily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Professional point right in there. See? We're getting better. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, there you go. We're getting better. 
Well, what is it, Emily? I'm going to oh, give oh, your segue credit for it. The we, we celebrated too much about the segue and we fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're still not professional, but we're, we're almost. <laughs> we're almost there. We're really close. Um, so the, this was the episode that like literally made me scream out loud. They, they go to this like mining installation and they're, no, no, it's not mining. They're terraforming and they're, they're terraforming and um, some like there's an accident and someone dies and they're like oh interesting everyone here is a suspect so they take them all aboard the enterprise but they also take this unknown thing that they found aboard it's like a flashing light and they isolate it in the sick bay and it grow it starts growing and growing and growing and then it accesses their their language database and tries to start communicating with them which is when i screamed because <laughs> i was like oh my god <laughs> It was because it's like this mineral and it's like pulsing and then it starts trying to talk to them and they're like, ah, and they all run out of the sick bay. Um, That like honestly gave me chills. It was such a good conceit and like, and it basically it ends up that this thing lives on this planet in a very specific uh, environment that they were, have been altering because they're trying to terraform the planet. Mm. And it has tried to communicate with them several times, and they saw those communications but didn't understand what they were or didn't want to understand what they were. And so now the this creature that is very powerful somehow is like, no, we communicate with you, and you decided not to listen, and so now this is war. We're, we are at war with you. And so it's like fucking up the Enterprise and all that. And it's, it's working because it's a very powerful creature. So it was a very interesting episode. I love the idea of it's like what we have these weird signals. Oh, what are you getting? It says could you not? <laughs> what is like what does this mean? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Let's keep going. Yeah. Well, the the little things they were making little geometric designs in the sand, which to them was communicating, but they were like, oh, there's geometric signs in the sand. Jeez. <laughs> Purdy. On this uninhabited planet. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, and then initially the the murder was that the, the little crystal had taken control of the, the mining laser and had killed somebody. Yeah, reasonable. With it. Yeah, which is like, now it's war because you weren't listening, so. So that's like a really common trope in all the Star Trek uh, series is like figuring out what counts as life and figuring yeah. out what yeah. to do about it. So like there's lots of episodes where like, you know, they don't know... There's, like, a goo on a planet, and it sticks to someone's shoe, and then, like, they try and wash it off, and the goo's like, no, stop. And, or, like... <laughs> no, stop. <laughs> could you not? <laughs> All right, could you not? Or, like... Or the some, android builds his own daughter. Yeah. Alive. <laughs> yeah, or, like, uh, somebody builds, like, a, a maintenance robot that, like, can think for itself and fix problems before they happen because it, like, knows the ship better than the engineers do, yeah. and, like, it turns out to be a life form or, like, whatever. Um, it's like very, it's a common trope in all these, in all the Star Treks is like open mindedness to like different ways of being alive or what that even means. And I think that they, they like telegraph that from the beginning. Cause one of the officers is an Android, but he's like trying mm-hmm. to learn to be human. Oh, data. So. We are referring of course to data. Brent yeah. Sprinter. <laughs> I'll talk about one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Um, it's called uh, Darmok. Season 2, episode 5, I think. I can't read this exactly correct. But um, it's rad, and basically what happens is Picard tries to make uh, 
make a first contact, or not a first contact, but like contact with this alien species that they just can't figure out how they talk. Because usually <laughs> oh, yeah, all the... season five. Uh, yeah. all, they all have like universal translators, which are like pretty good at translating language. But even when the universal translator is working, like even when there are English words coming out of the translator, it still doesn't make any sense. Like the sentences that are made by these aliens don't make sense. And so the alien captain transports him and Picard down to a planet so they can have like a bro camp out and get to know each other. Aww. And like Picard And bite a beast or something? Yeah, there's a dangerous beast on the planet, which is the point. They have to defeat the beast. That's why the the Yeah, they have to learn to work together. Exactly. Even though uh, they don't understand each other. Sorry, yeah. And in the process, uh, Picard learns their language, which it turns out is based on um, allegory to other like historical stories from their culture. So like there are phrases like uh, Darmok and Jalad when the walls fell. And like that doesn't make any sense unless you know what happened to Darmok and Jalad when the walls fell. So it's you just know. like all inside jokes. Yeah, basically it's a it's a language <laughs> made up completely of in inside jokes. jokes. And uh, by hanging out with his his captain buddy Picard figures out all their inside jokes or enough to communicate. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, Enough to communicate to the point where, spoiler alert, if we ruin an episode for you, I'm... Don't feel bad. Um, yeah, it's been out for years. But, like, <laughs> the, the, they, they battle the beast, which, of course, is invisible, initially. Uh-huh. Um, and the alien leader gets, like, mortally wounded. Mm. And so Picard learns enough of the language to convey to the um, second-in-command guy, like the other aliens or whatever, it's like, it's fine. Like, <laughs> like he, he's learned enough to say, like, hey, guys, we were on the planet together, and then the thing killed him, not me, and I respect your culture now. Like, he was able to, like, convey oh, all of that dead. stuff. The guy, oh, yeah, he died. Oh, he dead dead. Okay. He yeah, sacrificed yeah, he, himself for better relations. Yeah. It does seem that the sick bay can bring people back to life. Two times now, they've said, like, he died, and then they're like, we were able to revive him. And I was like, wait. (laughs) And you're just in season, like, two. Yeah, because, okay, they come across, this is a cool episode where they come across, like, a, basically a satellite from the late 21st, or early 21st century, um, and it has, like, people who are cryogenically frozen in it. Um, and then, oh yeah, yeah, and, and one of the women, one of the people, is a woman who died of an embolism, and she she died of an embolism, and then her body was frozen, and they're like, we can fix that. I was like, okay, but like, she died though. <laughs> well, that's why you cryogenically freeze people. There's there's actually companies doing that on Earth right now today. No, I know. <laughs> it's just like it doesn't make a ton of sense if you're like dead. They can't bring you back to life. Like, I don't know. Well, apparently they can, so. They can fix the Yeah, animalism. I feel like that's one of those things where it would have made more sense where it was like, they should have just picked something else. You know Yeah, what like I mean? she was dying and of cancer or something. Sure, yeah. Right, like, exactly. And they're like, so we put her body into like, we put her in a coma and then put her body in stasis or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. I think they just wanted to make it as shocking as like, yeah, an embolism. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We brought it back. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. We so good with our future medicine. <laughs> Lauren, you got an episode mm-hmm. you like? I do. Um, so Brian made a reference to um, Data creating his daughter. So one of my favorite episodes is called The Offspring. And it is, um, I think it's season, what, two? 
We watched, we rewatched it recently because I wanted to talk about it. But it's Data goes to this conference and then gets like really excited because he realizes that he can kind of complete or not not necessarily complete, but like um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like reproduce his father's work. So um, he creates another Sung android like himself and calls it his daughter and names her Lol. And it's just, like, so sweet. <laughs> we were talking about, like, how it's, like, very socially progressive in some ways. Um, so Data creates the android, and it is nightmare fuel, basically. <laughs> but um, he... <laughs> it's got, like, a weird, like, a nipple chest bar thing going. Anyways. Um, <laughs> It's, it is horrifying to look at. Um, but Data says, like, oh, no, I was going to, like, intentionally made it, like, neutral so that it could pick its own identity. Like, it could pick oh. its own race and sexuality and stuff. Well, gender. So Data leans kind of heavily on Troy to help kind of with, like, initial things. And anyway, so the, the android lol decides to be... Maybe because she's influenced by Troy's, like, being there. She decides to be a female human. Um, And Data talks about, like, oh, yeah, I was able to, like, basically kind of upgrade things. So he alerts Starfleet, and they send the, like, Starfleet science admiral to the Enterprise, or he decides to come. And there's, so, Lol is only there for, like, a little while, but, like... You know, maybe, like, a couple of weeks. But, like, so Data's, like, like teaching her all of these things that Data had to learn how to do when he decided that he wanted to become more human. Anyways, the admiral for the science um, department is basically, like, this is, like, really awesome. And she's going to come back with me. And Data's, like, no, nope, this is my this is my daughter. So you have Picard kind of, like, fighting for Data's rights, which was a really great moment, I think. And really makes you, like, fall in love with Jean-Luc because he talks about working with the Federation so that Data, as a sentient android, has is being, like, treated with the rights and, like, freedoms of, like, every other living being. So, like, what you were saying, Matt, about, like, what defines life. And mm-hmm. he talks about helping define those for androids who, are, who gain sentience, like Data. So he's, like, a strong advocate, but then he's also, like kind of confused and weirded out initially by the fact that like data and lol are referring to each other as father and daughter Mm. so there's you know so it's like he has very strong like beliefs and he's a very strong advocate but even he is like you know you just created this being and blah 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 and so data's like isn't that what you guys do when you procreate so it's a really good I love it. It's, like, really good at kind of showing you, like, that specific argument. I can't really think if there's anything. I mean, we don't have sentient androids yet, but no, when they come. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, like, um, the, Matthew and I have just been reading the Murderbot series um, by Martha Wells, which has a lot of that. And, like, the main character is a, a construct, and he doesn't view himself as a human. Or as a, a being worthy of like rights, but he is sentient, or it is sentient, and a lot of it is like it discovering the world, and when people mistake it for human, 
it's like, oh, I have the right to do this and I have the right to do this. So it's a lot about like what the designation of being a sentient creature means to this android. Um, yeah. And actually another book that I uh, read is called uh, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress by Robert Heinlein. And it deals with a, a moon colony and basically the computer that runs the moon colony is sentient and the only person who knows that is the tech tech who works with it and has been like trying to fix what's wrong with it and so he is trying to like have a dialogue with this ai basically and he finds out that it's bored and that's why it's acting out and so he (laughs) he gets it under control but then he um starts encouraging it to like do more things and like expand its horizons and then the ai decides that it's a woman and he's like oh okay (laughs) like he doesn't know how to handle it because he's like oh okay i guess i don't know what that means but um and that that's what it reminded me of uh the moon is a harsh mistress is that the ai decides that it's a female yeah i mean it's it's really it's really sad this is definitely like a sad one because part of data's thing is that he it cannot feel emotions. So mm. he like, you know, so there's like lots of really great little slapstick where he's like, you know, explains a joke and then forces a laugh or whatever. But lol, um, her programming exceeds his. And so she actually, at the end of the episode, she gets really scared and upset at the idea of being like taken off of the enterprise and taking, being taken away from her father and she, like, essentially has a panic attack Aww. and starts malfunctioning. And so Data and the Admiral start, like, try to save her, basically. But, like, her she, her system is, like, overwhelmed by the emotion. And so her, um, like, the Matrix or whatever won't hold. And <laughs> it's so sweet and it's really, like, heartbreaking because... She and Data have this, like, beautiful, like, little moment where she's, like, you know, thank you for my life. And he's, like, yeah, you're great or whatever. And then she's, like, I love you. And he's and he stops. And you think that he's going to say it back. Because that's the human thing to do. Because yeah. that's the human thing to do. But, but he says, I wish I could feel that. Aww. And she says, I'll feel it for the both of us. Aww. And then she dies. Like, her that's little... So she. Yeah, and then, so the next time you see Data, he's, like, you know, because he also doesn't feel sadness, he's, like, coming onto the bridge, and everybody on the bridge is, like, crushed. And, you know, and and then I think Jean-Luc says, like, everybody is so sad about your, you know, your your loss. loss. And he goes, it's okay, I I was so, uh, he, he said something about, like, I couldn't bear the thought of her being lost to the void or whatever. Um, or going into oblivion, so he, like, uploaded her memory banks into his memory banks. So, like, I don't know. It was just, like, this really sweet um, kind of mirroring of human emotion, and I don't know. It was... I like, it's a really great episode, though. I like how they set up rules and they stick to it, especially in this episode, because mm, in a, yeah. it's easy to just, like, circumvent those rules and have Data say he loves her back, like, just for that, you know, moment. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's been, like, heavily established that Data does not feel emotion and doesn't understand emotion. And so, like, it makes sense for him to be like, I wish I knew what that was. Yeah. But I don't feel it, like... 
There's another really good episode with Data in it that, <clears throat> and this is only tangentially related, related in that Data doesn't have emotions, but he goes to a planet and uh, he, he's there to do some stuff and he finds like a young lady who's like really into robotics and like oh yeah they team up with him and like into to... robotics mm-hmm. like kind of yeah she like yeah. gets a feeling for him <laughs> and at the end of the episode she's like she gives him a kiss and Jada just stands there cuz he's a robot doesn't understand what it means and then she goes like you really don't have any feelings for me at all do you and he's <laughs> like no i don't have any feelings of any kind i'm a robot <laughs> is that... is... i'm bleeding wait, wait, wait. Now. is that the same one Okay, are we talking? Are you talking about the same one where he like gets a girlfriend, or is it like? No, no, this is one no, where he because he gets a girlfriend where he basically yeah. does this experiment and this where you know he like gets a girlfriend and she's just like I got enough and he's like okay like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it he's basically like oh is this not is this not satisfactory to you anymore and she's like no I need more and he's like okay I get that I could <laughs> totally see that. He doesn't have a feelings about it, yeah. But I just love that line. Like, I have no emotions of any kind. Yeah. It's like, like I, I just no want to say that to someone, like, in real life. <laughs> but doesn't he also bone, like, yard? He can bone. Oh, yeah. He, he can, can bone. Oh, he can bone. But doesn't he do it? Like, how They're did that happen? All capable of DTF diplomacy. <laughs> That's right. Diplomacy. It's a class in Starfleet it's, uh, Academy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to wear the pajamas unless you know about diplomacy. <laughs> Uh, Brian, what is your favorite or an uh, episode that you really like? So I had a hard time with this because if you asked me my favorite episode, I'd be like, yeah, just just watch them all. <laughs> um, so I ended up landing on an episode in season two. Uh, it's called Q Who. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, a, because it introduces, it doesn't introduce, uh, Q is in the very first episode, the very last episode. He shows up in every single season. He's a great character to talk about Next Generation with because he is the antithesis of what John Luke is. Mm. Um, He's the Joker to his Batman, if you Exactly. He is there to try and prove John Luke wrong about everything. And to he is, despite all of the power and of technology and everything of the future that the Federation has, Q is still more powerful. Mm. He knows about everything they don't know about he knows about realms and planes and things of existence they don't know about. And this episode, Q Who, is where Q introduces the Federation to the Borg. Oh, shit. Which you can also not, like, talk about Next Generation and not mention the Borg. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty pivotal to the series. Uh, I will say, uh, in this episode, they introduce the Borg, and it's... They introduce the Borg as like a baby factory. Yeah. Which I feel like the next time they come back to the Borg, it's like, no, no one will remember that. Let's like, that's not part of the story anymore. <laughs> like, like, I think it's in it Riker and Worf like get beamed aboard and, and they're Data, like, yeah. we're in the nursery and they have these little babies with <laughs> oh, yeah. Borg parts. Somebody's oh, IB, yeah. I, uh, IMDB uh-huh. uh, page is going to be like, yeah, I was six months old. I was a Borg baby. I was yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a Borg baby. My mom did drugs, and I was a Borg baby. Um, There's a really good episode. Sorry, just real quick. Uh, There's a really good episode of this podcast called Imaginary Worlds. They have it's one episode one thirty four, and it's literally called Fear of the Borg. And they just have people talking about the what that what that idea of that species means to them, how scary it was. When I was a kid, they scared the heck out of me. They are scary as hell. Yeah. 
they took a lot from like the Alien franchise mm-hmm. and like the Geiger artwork, and it's like, nah, this is gonna be like black and dark and all pipes everywhere for no reason. Yeah, let's yeah. do that. <laughs> That's a good point. And it's like but, the self healing yeah ship, and yeah, that episode. I remember watching that. I remember it because it was like yesterday we were watching this and then, but just the anxiety. What I was going to say is I remember watching the episode when I was younger and still feeling that anxiety yesterday when I watched it. It just, I'm always like, get off the ship, get off the ship, run away. What are you (laughs) doing? Get support, get support. (laughs) Ah! This is futile. You well, heard him. They just thing. said it. Get that, out of here. In this episode, the Borg never say resistance is futile. The Borg never say anything. Uh, they never talk about them assimilating another culture or anything else. You just get a, just enough of a glimpse to be like, we can't hurt them. They can destroy us. Let's leave as fast as possible. <laughs> Man, um, I, I still remember as a kid when, like, Picard became part of the Borg. Dude, and it, they made I a movie like, out of it. The world is ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll never come back from this. Um, So there was one more thing I wanted to bring up with that episode and why I really enjoy it is because that's also the episode where you realize Guinan's a fucking badass. Uh, Are you talking about Whoopi Goldberg? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So she is like hundreds or thousands of years old. She is been in conflict with the uh, Q Continuum and the Borg in the past, and yet for some reason she's slinging at a drink where a place where she can't even make a tip. I mean, I think that <laughs> like, she's worked it out. What are you doing, Guinan? <laughs> like, all these she things, and you're just like, tip. hanging out. <laughs> she's living her best life, is what she's doing. I mean, she's taking her. a sabbatical. Guess, yeah. yeah, it's it's just like really impressive Whoa. that like, out, of, out of nowhere you're just like, oh, and wait, wait. You've you knew you knew about all this, and you just decided to keep it to yourself. <laughs> it's a great. I love that. It's like a ooh, great moment when um, Q shows up and Guinan. I mean, they essentially like become like these two cats that are like you know like at each <laughs> it's other. Great. It's great. And he's just like, oh, you, and he's she's like, oh, you, and like. So yeah. here's a here's a head that I've just created for myself, and I really really like it, and I want to tell you guys. Uh, I want, yeah. I think from now on that I'm going to think of Guinan as a Time Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's just Absolutely. a Time Lord and she's like on the Enterprise for one of her little vacations or whatever. She's just exploring yeah. the world. Yeah. <laughs> Call her the bartender. <laughs> <laughs> one head of a bartender. Um, Anyways. <clears throat> the, I wanted to say that uh, in this these book series, um, the Murderbot book series, this, the second book, they have a... a he meets a ship that is basically sentient and it's a, he calls it the asshole research vessel or, uh, or transport. transport. So his name is art. Um, and I, I am now like head cannon, the enterprise's art because art is, he is built to explore the world and have scientists and, and students on him. And like explore new, new galaxies and new civilizations and so I, that's headcanon now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I, I wanted to say quickly that like I think the a lot of the enjoyment of watching the Star Trek franchise is watching it over long periods of time and seeing all the different pieces and the lore kind of fall into place and like click together like a puzzle across the different years and across the different series and across the different movies because. Um, one of the main, well, the incident, Emily, you talked about where Picard got turned into a uh, a Borg is known as uh, the Wolf 359 incident. Mm-hmm. And that's where oh. um, all, basically the entire 
fleet of Starfleet went to stop the Borg, one Borg ship, and just couldn't. Wow. Like, millions yeah. of people were killed, and, like, hundreds of vessels were destroyed in, like, one fight with one Borg cube. And wow. it was, like, going right for Earth. And so, and it was led by Picard, and that was the Borg cube Picard was on. Yeah. And that comes up. Uh, it's terrifying. It's so scary. And But the thing is, it comes up in Deep Space Nine because... Um, mm, Cisco's wife. Exactly. Cisco died lost at Wolf, yeah. At Wolf 359, right. So like She, he, she died? At Wolf, Wolf 359, yeah. Oh, okay. And so that's part of his like character arc is that he has to learn to get over, you know, kind of move on with his life after he his ship was destroyed at Wolf 359 and his wife got killed. And wow. I think in the first episode, or maybe oh, yeah, the first episode, they had um, Patrick Stewart, like, essentially, like, kind of come on and then they, like, they become two cats and they're like, mm-hmm. you... <laughs> <laughs> but like everybody's no, like I don't yeah sorry sorry I got bored yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly like, they don't like each other because like Cisco's like yeah I was at Wolf 359 you killed a lot of people I know including my wife and he's like oh, oh my bad dog <laughs> so here's a great question though how do you yeah. get assimilated by the Borg and then get Decimulated and then still be allowed to be a captain of a ship. Like I feel yeah. like you should immediately be like, you're going to be desk duty. What is it like? Honorably discharged yeah. because of or for, at like, least a couple years of therapy, mental <clears throat> like, health. No, right. yeah, you you go to like a resort where like all you talk about is how to resolve that. <laughs> well, I remember in DC... But Picard's basically like, woo, that was weird. All right. Let's <laughs> go. Shake it off. Like he Shake was said. Walk it off, boo. Walk it off. You're fine. You're I, fine. I remember also, after all this happened, then Seven of Nine comes around, and she is she used to be bored. So this is in Voyager, by the way. This yeah, is in Voyager. Voyager, and she becomes part of the crew, and she's a Borg crew member, mm-hmm. and it just, like, blew my fucking mind when <laughs> I was a kid. Just your little remember. noodle. Why were there only nine? Was it... Tell, remind me her story, because I, I, don't I did see I some remember. Voyager stuff, I but I couldn't remember her. <laughs> yep, Matt, Matt. I'm raising my hand on, on camera here. It's Go because it. she is the tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix 01, and that means oh that God. in her unit, there were nine other Borg that worked together in, in the... You, you right, Matrix Zero One, yeah. How did she get like separated from them and etc.? Oh, oh yeah. So this gets into why like I think Janeway is a badass um, because in Voyager, if you don't know, um, the it follows the Star Trek, the Star Trek, uh, the Starfleet crew who gets flung billions of like light years away from Starfleet, and so mm-hmm. they just have to get back. But there's no backup. There's no space stations they can go to, and so. It turns out where they get flung is like in between them and home is Borg space. Like oh, God. They're, they're place where the Borg come from. And so Janeway has to figure out how to get through Borg space. And she she is the first and only captain to ever like strike a deal with the Borg, which is like boggles the mind when I first saw it as a kid. She like goes onto a Borg cube and is like, no, you listen to me. These are the things that I want. And you're going <laughs> to give me... Those things. And she mom Borg... him. She like steps up and yeah. moms them. She moms them. And the Borg are like, okay, fine. <laughs> so what happens Resistance is... Resistance is debatable. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Seven of Nine goes onto, the, onto Voyager and helps them install some, some equipment or something. And then they, the treaty breaks down real fast and Seven of Nine is stuck there. On, oh. The, oh. on Voyager. So it's not, it's not intentional or voluntary that she... Nah, not really. <laughs> Interesting. But she becomes 
happy to be there over time. But, like, for the first few episodes she's in, she's just like, I don't want to be here. I don't like it here. I want to go back. And they're like, can't really do that, Bo. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of the Borg, uh, this is going back to the next generation. Um, what was his name? Doug? Something Hugh. like that. He was friends Hugh. with Jordy. Huh? Oh, uh, the Hugh? Hugh, Hugh. Yeah. Sorry, not Doug. Who's this? Hugh. <laughs> Did Hugh get Borged? Oh, no, he was a Borg that they brought back, so he started, instead of oh, talking about right. the we, he was an I again. Like, yeah. he rediscovered his individuality. And he was his, assimilated and got yeah. de-assimilated. Oh. But yeah. not as, like, Picard, like, that's the other thing. Sorry to come up, I just feel like we have not spent enough time on how <laughs> Oh, no, he, he just, just went and got able... a tan and came back, and he's like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was, like, so pale and so full of, cables and wires <laughs> and stuff and then and then he i mean i know i know that i'm sure they did like a little thing about it but like like everybody else who was borged for any amount of time just has like ptsd right like when they when they leave the borg for whatever reason they they have this like serious like aa meeting kind <laughs> of like like they can't even remember who they were beforehand. Yeah, kind of and thing. then yeah. again, Picard's just like, "Whew, wow, okay, all these lesser men, I guess." Like, <laughs> how is he able to do it? I so, just don't. There are a few episodes where, like, there are some pretty intense talks between him and Troy, and Troy's like, "Are you okay?" He's like, "I'm fine," but like, really though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, chief he emotional down. officer. Yeah. But then also, I think that comes up at, in the new Picard series. I heard somewhere yeah. that like. Picard is discredited somehow because of people who think that his Borg, his time as a Borg might make him unreliable. And so he's like, you know, no longer in Starfleet or something like that. I'm not exactly sure how, it, I haven't seen the show. Yeah, we should go watch that. We should go watch that I because agree. I feel like I would be that person. Next I'd be like, episode, uh, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just want this to be about him <coughs> tending the vineyard and like <laughs> making decisions about Beaujolais and old friends coming to visit for yeah, tea and just cheese. Like yeah. Chewing the fat with his buddies. Um, that's probably not what it's about, but also I'm down for next week episode being about Picard. I'm kind of into it, honestly. Um, so one thing I wanted to mention too is that like um, let's let's move to the um, <coughs> Um, like the going forward thing where we talk about the new series as much as we know and like the movies because mm. um i would like to uh, lauren you had a question that we haven't quite answered oh whoops oh yeah well the yeah the question i was gonna pose and i i'm sorry i probably should have brought it in earlier but jean-luc being borged aside because i do feel like that does it does get addressed or whatever matt you just pointed just out several bit, examples like, you're yeah right, he probably should be in an institution but there's a lot of there's a lot of episodes where somebody experiences something that would be very life changing and very rarely does it come up again. There's a few exceptions again Jean Luc is the Borg, um, Alexander, who's Worf's son, um, okay. are two that come to mind like immediately. But like Deanna gets raped by some space entity right. and nobody you mentioned this Emily in a text that we were talking through where like and nobody calls it rape and she doesn't call it rape and she's she just unbothered she, yeah she's just like nope and I have this baby I'm and pregnant like, <laughs> and um an alien impregnated me and that's all 
that they talk about it. Like, wait, did you want the alien to impregnate you? Like, what was the alien doing near And it's you? a really creepy shot. Like, if it you is. were watching the episode, it's like this yeah. little beam of light comes into the ship from space and then, like, crawls up her... Not crawls up, but it's, like, floating... Almost like a tooth no, it's fairy, like underneath it's a her covers, yeah. and then it, yeah. at some point it gets it. The light goes out, meaning it went inside her. Yeah, and then she gets all hot and bothered about it. It's hmm. so creepy, and uh, like I, I remember watching it and just being like, "Fuck!" Like, <laughs> no. And there's episodes like Lol, where Data has a daughter, where they're just like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna give Data a daughter." Oh, this could be really weird in the future. Mm, let's just kill her off, and like <laughs> by the end of it, you know, yeah, like and that episode in particular is like the next episode. It's like nobody remembers it; never happened. Yeah. <laughs> so and so, like, how is how do you guys feel, or what are some other examples of these? Like, huh? That seems like it would be a big deal, but it's really only covered in this one episode. I think that that is a. Um, it's a little bit of it, like, Next Generation being a relic of its time. Like, a lot Absolutely. of TV yeah. at that time, it was serial. Like, so the fact that there's any yeah. major arc with the Cleon Empire, anything that you had to, like, oh, what's happening? Oh, well, five episodes, this happened. Or, like, all of that was unheard of. Like, it used to be, like, oh, no, every single episode starts off at the exact same place. It's almost like a murder but, whodunit, right? Yeah, it's episodic. Where it's like, we have to wrap it up. Yeah. So that's exactly right, in my opinion. And, like, that's one of the reasons I really like the Deep Space Nine as a series is because, like, that is one of the first, I think, like, first television shows that was, like, on primetime that, like, had, like, a continuing arc. And, like, if you missed an episode, you might miss important information for the next one. And it was, like, a... And that's why like I think... Like a multi-season arc. Yeah. Like, there are things that start in episode one that are still popping up seasons mm-hmm. later. And I think that's why a lot of people who like Star Trek think Deep Space Nine is like one of their favorite series is because like these are all the other ones are kind of like monster of the week and like they're kind Mm of kind of shallow like you were saying Lauren but Deep Space Nine it has these long arcs that are like meaningful and important and like things dramatically change over time my favorite uh thing now so Brian's been watching Deep Space Nine and I'll totally watch it with him Mm -hmm. but like that that was a big thing that him and our son would do um, on days when I would like have to go into work and they would watch a couple of episodes. Because there's a long list of TV I can't watch because Lauren also wants to watch it. <laughs> so, and I this is one that I'll like just yeah. kind of sit in. But then like I'll literally be cooking and I'll be like, so what? And like yelling from the kitchen. <laughs> and then, you know, and he'll be like, well, blah, 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 blah. So more just Bajoran nonsense. These <laughs> <laughs> goddamn Bajorans. Yeah. And they're pie. And I, <laughs> yeah, um, and I just can't. Like, I, I just think, can't. I think also part of it is that it's like, uh, sci-fi has a long tradition, or speculative fiction has a long tradition of short stories. Hmm. And, like, that is true today in that, like, the best way to get a book deal in sci-fi space is to have some... Uh, short stories out there like that's that's a strategy and i think we've seen that a lot when we do our hugos yeah a lot of those are sci-fi yeah and they they i think a lot of it is like okay what if this planet is addicted to this drug and this other planet is the only planet that has it and like 
what does that look like? And how are how do we approach that? How does the Enterprise approach that? And, <laughs> and so, then like, you put the characters on top of it. Of, yeah. And yeah. so they're like kind of like little, they're like little short stories. That, That's interesting. You know, I like that a lot, Emily. I didn't really yeah. think of that before. I, th- I think you're right in that like it is kind of a relic of its time. But I think specifically like because it's sci-fi, I, I enjoy the, the encapsulated nature of it because sometimes I don't want to watch like five episodes to get to the yeah. end of this arc, you know? Um, That's fair. You know, but I, I think, um, I think of my like favorite series now, like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, always things change, like people got promoted to like new positions and they have to leave the precinct and like all, it changes with, and I like the fact that it changes, like it's, it's pretty cool. So, so the other thing I wanted to mention too is I said this earlier was that like a lot of the fun for me of Star Trek is like following all the series and all like the lore because like those things do come back like they always come oh, yeah. back but they're just kind of like boomerangs and like in the episodes where they come back they explained it again for you if you forgot or didn't get a chance to see the episode but like Alexander Worf's son comes back as like a Klingon officer on like a, a warbird and like they meet and it's awkward because he's like, oh, that's right, I had a son. <laughs> yep. Wait, is this in Deep Space Nine? <coughs> yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Did you see this? Has happened, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, sorry. You want to see grown-up Alexander? Yeah, he's like a fucking Klingon warrior. He's just like, they're like being a Klingon and you're like, oh. Which is interesting because they spent his entire childhood being like, my mom said I didn't have to do the Klingon stuff if I didn't want to. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he's like, real quick, hard left turn into Klingon stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so and but like also that Wolf three five nine thing that comes up again and again like people were like yeah I was at Wolf three five nine and like oh I was at I got I lost my ship there and blah 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 so like these things like over the art like um, if you consider the entire franchise as like one uh, piece of media it does kind of come back and affect things but it's not um, you know if you're just watching one series or like just one season it doesn't. It, it may seem like it goes away forever and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Okay, um, so before we pass on, um, I need to address the elephant in the room, which is Jean-Luc and the flute thing. Oh, I love that episode. That was on my list, yeah, too. Yeah, such a good episode. Yeah. What, what is it? I don't, I don't... I haven't gotten uh, there yet. So they... The Enterprise um, comes into contact with an alien probe that is sending out a strange signal. Uh, and then out of nowhere, they're just in the middle of space, just them and this probe. The probe just shoots right through the ship and hits Picard and knocks him, like, out on the floor. Uh, basically, Picard lives an entire life of this alien being where he is wakes up thinking that he just had a dream that he was a captain of a starship and then lives out his entire life like as this musician in this small little agricultural town and has a wife and kid and grandkids and everything else and then at the end of his life he beams back into Picard and he's like oh I suddenly have this second personality and I can play the flute now what? how is he still in charge of a spaceship? (laughs) yeah exactly seriously and he he totally just kind of like no I'm good I I just learned how to play the flute while I was sleeping. I'm, I'm fine, guys. Specifically, like, this recorder flute thing? Oh, yeah. It's it's a very pretty song he learns how to play. And, like, the episode is called The Inner Light, and it's about... Um, it's about, like, climate change, because, like, all the other aliens on the planet don't believe climate change is real, but this one scientist who, like, Picard inhabits in his, like, 
pretend lifetime does. And so this one scientist can't fix it. So instead he sends up this probe that like kind of is a reminder of like what it was like before our planet got toasted. Mm. And that's a pretty common trope. Red Mm. flag, red flag, red flag. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty common trope in a lot of Star Trek too. Like there's a, I can think of like two other episodes off the top of my head where like that thing happens. There's one in uh, deep space nine where Miles O'Brien gets put in jail, but the version of jail he gets put in for, like, whatever infraction it was is, like, an hour-long, uh, uh, med- like, procedure, a medical procedure, but it feels like 20 years in an alien jail and, like, really incredibly harsh and terrible con- Oh, it's it's, it's all, like, a simulation. Yeah, exactly. Like, hologram, <clears throat> like, just... This put- was on the space station he got put into jail? Or no, this was, he was uh, doing some work for an outpost for some alien thing, and okay. he asked too many questions, so they punished him by putting him in jail for 25 years. But it's like brain he, jail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so God. he woke up and it only an hour that passed. But that but, is seriously unethical. Yeah. I don't oh, think the Federation sure. should work with them. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was <laughs> they're, about they're prisoner diplomats. mentality and how isolation is a cruel and unusual punishment. Interesting. Yeah. So then there's another episode in Voyager where uh, the people come upon, or the Voyager crew comes upon this planet with like a weird like monument, like monolith on it, and they like approach it, and uh, all of a sudden they start like um, having, uh, well, nothing happens at first, but then they go back on the ship and they all have PTSD of like the same battle that they were in. And, it's a battle, it's the last battle of, like, this this um, this species, and the monument is designed to, like, transmit those emotions of the of the warriors in the battle to the people who view the monument. And so, like, they all have oh, this, wow. like, horrible PTSD of this battle where, actually, it was, like, it wasn't even a battle, it was a slaughter. They were trying to move some civilians or something, and then the soldiers just got jumpy and, like, lit them all up, all these civilians. Oh, yeah. And it was a monument to that that act and so all the Voyager group comes back like having like the feelings as if they had been there and done those horrible things yeah if Star Trek has taught me anything if you're in outer space and you see a monolith that's someone else's problem (laughs) 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 just just walk away it's a monolith not 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 you just shoot that (laughs) just walk away you want some PTSD that's a PTSD device right there (laughs) right I don't yeah it's got some runes on it don't care Uh -uh. (laughs) yeah there's this there's this beautiful kind of balance between like well we're curious and it's our job to investigate things versus like in doing that you are constantly putting yourself your ship and your crew in peril <laughs> and you know so it's like yeah be curious and explore things but yeah like the episode where there's like a floating temple library thing do you remember and no. then they like and then they like parts of the ship start turning to stone and it's basically like replicating itself and and then jean-luc has to put on a mask and and pretend to be a god by like seven different personalities oh yeah yeah yeah, data (laughs) gets like like a fun episode it's it's like it's like season seven it's really late Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's um, jumping the shark territory (laughs) i do have i need to talk about the holodeck aka the fuck den Yeah. Just, I have a lot of questions. Is there like an HR person assigned to the holodeck like twenty four seven, or like you know I don't know what's what's going on? I, I will remember, say the like, holodeck on DS DS nine makes the next generation look like 
just PG thirteen. Yeah, it's, it's true. Nothing's happening on Next Generation. Like DS nine, it's like oh, it's getting dirty. It's specifically it's there dirty. for like having sex with holographic women, almost like the, the yeah. Ferengi lets people use it for whatever they want. The first experience that you have with the holodeck on in um, the Next Generation is Riker going into like a bar and being like, "I want a, a woman here," and then they create a woman. He's like, "I want a." a more sultry woman and then she has brown hair for some reason (laughs) (laughs) i'm like i'm like what is this um and then jean-luc joins them and they like talk about her like she's not there and it's just so gross and weird bigger titties Um, but there is the one episode with um where data wants to play sherlock holmes and the holodeck is like it's like a genie because he wished wrong, and then the holodeck, the fuck dead, takes over the Enterprise. And <laughs> yep. It's a huge Did Jordy asked the computer to create an adversary capable of beating Data. Not Sherlock, <laughs> but Data. So then it had to create another life form and created an yeah. evil Moriarty. And he, oh, so Moriarty had access to not only all of the ship's knowledge, but also the ship like the controls of the ship mm-hmm. so i was like what is happening so there's like a a bunch of episodes where like people create like love interests for themselves in oh, yeah. in the holodeck especially like the, the oh, engineers jordy oh poor <laughs> jordy <laughs> see that is yeah, such a neckbeard thing to do oh exactly right? <laughs> <laughs> they're like i know exactly yeah. how the technology works i'm gonna use it however i want <laughs> but like there's an episode where jordy creates um a facsimile of one of the uh, warp scientists at um, the the shipyard that the Enterprise was built. So oh, a facsimile gross. of one of the people. He only does it at first because he needs to figure out a problem with the engine. So he's like, maybe if I have um, the original person, designer, yeah, yeah, I can talk it through, and like that's how okay. it happens. And then he kind of starts having feelings for this hologram he created. And, and then like, he tells a joke, and she like giggles a little bit, and he's yeah, like, ooh, exactly. Except um, it's obviously not real and he doesn't like know what he doesn't can't tell what a red flag looks like so he just <laughs> lets it go on for too he long he can see infrared but he can't see a red flag exactly <laughs> oh 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 that was good that was a good burn on, good burn on jordy <laughs> um, but then i he, will say the most cringeworthy episode is probably not that episode barclay right no Bar- no 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 oh. no it's uh, still with jordy and uh that same uh the hologram lady but there's a episode where they bring the original like, like designer human onto one. the ship yeah. and Jordy's just like oh I know all this stuff about you and I'm so excited to meet you you're a real person not the hologram that I fell in love with oh. and it's just the most cringeworthy just like no, no. don't do it because she's nothing like his hologram obviously of, of course yeah. and she's like first of all she's married so like it doesn't matter but second of all she's like very curt and like kind of like professional and mean whereas like the hologram was like nice and flirty and whatever like a regular you know, what you would imagine Jordy would like in a woman. Yeah. And, uh... And Jordy has a really hard time with interpersonal things. Some Not all the time, but, like, a lot of times, like, and I don't know if that's an actor choice, but, like, <laughs> like, tone-wise, like, he'll do something and you're just kind of like, why did they make him say that? <laughs> like, that doesn't seem to make sense. So maybe the actor was just trying to make the best of some weird dialogue, but, like... The same person who told me that, um... Uh... Uh, Riker gets a consent boner is told me that he was a, a complete creepazoid. Uh, Jordy was like yeah. that. He just like low key creepazoid. Yeah, I can see why you think that. 
there's like I think there's like a trope in in the Star Trek series, like the franchise, that every every season or every uh, series has its like one character that's like really bad with like dating and relationships, and they have to like they always like go after the like impossible uh, mate of some kind or another. Um, so like in Voyager, it's Harry Kim who's always going after like hologram ladies or aliens or like the Borg Queen or some like fucking nonsense. <laughs> the minorities. And, Deep well, Space Nine, yeah. it's got to be the Doctor, right? Yeah, I it's, guess that uh, makes sense. He's always, to me, seemed maybe just the episodes I've seen of him where he's always like, "Sup." Oh Kevin. no, you know what? It's um, I think it's uh, the shapeshifter. What the fuck is this? Oh no, oh no, yeah, because like yeah. he does. He's total virgin. He's he's never yeah. even like drank water. Yeah, you know? like <laughs> gross. <Yeah>. What's <laughs> gross? <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean um anyway <laughs> watch the show <laughs> um matt you you wanted to yeah. move us forward oh yeah so i wanted to talk about like some of the directions that the new stuff is going in and some of the and i wanted to have a rant at the end about oh, the yeah. things i wish that they would do in the show and the series and with the franchise that they just don't do and it makes me so frustrated um but um yeah, so like like I said, there's uh, Star Trek Discovery, which came out a couple years ago, and now is currently there's Star Trek Picard, which I haven't seen, as well as like the new movies by J.J. Abrams, which came out uh, maybe like five or six years ago, and, and they basically, in those movies, rebooted the whole lore. Like, it, it's basically alternate universe, like Bizarro yeah. World uh, Star Trek. And so, like, a lot of things are not the same. And, like, they try and justify it by, like, some weird techno babble, like, oh, they went around the sun too fast or something. But, yeah. Um, it's a different timeline. It's. Yeah. Because Star Trek does explore alternate timelines and yeah. alternate universes, but it's like, eh, we don't care about that one. We want our timeline. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, the movie's kind of, like, rebooted this thing. And I think the new shows are kind of set in that alternate timeline. Oh, that's lame. Mm. So, like, just, like, kind of low-key, I think. And so one of the things that is, like, really prevalent in that timeline, in that universe, is, like, lens lens flares. Just (laughs) everything gives off, like, an explosion of (laughs) lens flares. You could just, like, be sitting down and your couch is, like, glowing for some reason. Which I would argue, like, starship in space... Wouldn't you fucking have some kind of coating on your, like, <laughs> screen or window to, like, block that shit? Like, clearly that's an aesthetic choice of the, like, ship's designer. Because that's, like, hella unsafe. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. Um, so, in the reason I didn't like Discovery is because um, it was too modern. And it was supposed to take place, uh, like, before the before Kirk took over the Enterprise. So, it's the same ship. But it's during uh, Captain Pike's time, who was the guy who ran the ship, was the captain before Kirk. Okay. And, and, is Pike uh, a real person? Or is he someone I made mean, up for Discovery? None of them. Oh, no. Pike is a real person. Like, he actually... <laughs> I was about to say, none of them are real, Lauren. <laughs> um, but I understand what you're asking now. Um, Pike was a, the original captain and the original pilot of the original series. So, like, if okay. you watch the very first episode, it's not Captain yes. Kirk, it's Captain Pike. I have okay. seen the first episode, and that was very confusing. Yeah. So he is a real person in the lore. Um, but, yeah, so it just changes a bunch of stuff, and, like, it's, it, all the technology is, like, way too advanced for the timeline, so it doesn't mm. make a lot it's of like sense. It's like what they do with fucking Star Wars, right? Where it's, like, the prequels are all, it's like, 
huh, this shit all looks like way more sleek and modern. Yeah, exactly. I hate that. I, I don't understand when, like, that happens. It's... It made me really frustrated. And, like, one of the things that they did that was, like, a little bit clever, I will give them credit for, and I'm going to spoil the, the series for you a little bit, so it's been out for a couple years. Just keep, <laughs> keep your shit together. But, um, basically, the ship they're on, the Discovery, has, like, this, like, incredible, like, faster-than-light drive that lets them hop between, like, basically anywhere in the universe at, like, a, a moment's notice. So it's, like, really, really fast, technically, but it doesn't actually move. It just, like, kind of pops into existence. Um, but it also it has... What's that? They bamf, like that. <laughs> yeah, they I was bamf. just going to say bamf. that, and I stopped myself, because I was like, okay. I had to say it, yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly what it does. But then, like... It also can time travel. It can go to alternate universes. Like the the drive they create can basically it's like a it's like a TARDIS drive is basically what it can do. Huh. And um, by the in the last episode, they are like, oh, this is too powerful. We're gonna go seven million years in the future, and that way we won't contaminate the time stream or some nonsense. And then they do it, and like that's the end. Um, is this this is the hmm. the one with the the Vulcan who is the main character? Yeah, Michael Michael Burnham Burnham something like that. Burnham Michael Burnham. Oh, who's Michael Burnham? That's the name of the Vulcan character. Isn't a, wasn't it a woman? Oh right, it is well, it was a woman. It's a black lady, and she her, her name, name is, is Michael Burnham. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, Why? Bypassing. Bypassing. Sure, great question. Bypassing. Great question. <laughs> no, we're not having this rant again because I've already heard it in person. Um, <laughs> oh, why there's a black Vulcan named Michael? You've already yeah. had that discussion? Right, yes. I, I complained to Emily about it. And not, it, it's Oh, valid. there's another Vulcan with a beard. That's not right. <laughs> um, but I, I watched the last episode of this. I hadn't watched any of the rest of it. Because uh, Matthew said it was terrible. Yeah, and I was like, okay, great. And actually, like, the way that the last episode ended, where they have this, like, incredibly powerful ship, but they have to, like, doom themselves to be out in the away from everybody else. I was like, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a pilot episode, not the last episode. It, it really like, was. I was like, oh, what's next? What's next? And I was, because I didn't care about all the stuff that had led up to that. Like, it was not interesting, but, like, that was very interesting to me. So. Oh, Jason Isaacs is in it? Is Emily, he? Emily, you might like uh, Voyager. Malfoy's yeah. dad. Yeah. I, um, yes, I'm I'm interested in Voyager as well now that you've... I've seen it as a kid. I just don't remember it really well. Yeah, I'm going to rewatch it. It looks really... Oh, Jason Isaacs is the, the captain, isn't he? In Malfoy's just... dad. Oh, I don't know who Malfoy's dad is. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> is Matthew, he a real person? You're just a real big disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyways, that's the new series, Picard. Oh, here's the thing about Picard I've heard is that like it um, is a very, um, it's like Picard leading a like a pack of rebels and going against Starfleet and stuff. And like part of like the thing of Star Trek is that it's, about humans working together. And this was actually pretty apparent, too, in the Star Trek Discovery. It's about an ensemble cast working together to overcome difficulties um, at, with the backing of, like, a uh, a good and honest and true, like, uh, government and... Uh, authority. You know, authority, but, like, also, like, um, a code of honor, basically. Like, Knights of the Round. Yeah going out together to, like, do these things with authority and also, like, noblesse oblige of some kind, you know? And mm. and in both 
um, the Star Trek Discovery and in Picard, um, it sounds like, especially in Discovery, because I, I know I've seen it, but in, in Picard I've heard, uh, it's a lot about people keeping secrets from each other and like interpersonal, wow. like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff like I that. I hear the whole thing is like Picard doesn't trust the Federation. Yeah. For some reason. Which they've had, they've touched on things like that before. Yeah, but. but not like... Yeah. It's not like a main part. Yeah, like it's, every once in a while, like as an episode, one character will become like untrustworthy because of forces beyond their control or like something like that. And then like, but because everybody works together, they figure it out and they help that person. You know, it's not like <laughs> this person's just bad now. <laughs> Which is really frustrating. It kind of like breaks the, like the, a part of the beauty of the whole franchise for me is that it's like, it needs, I think it should be about like humans working together and being at their best as opposed to like humans mm. being at each other's throats and like the yeah. drama of like one person hating another person, you know. Or backstabbing and betrayal. And exactly. Like yeah. yeah. I agree. I'm going to continue monologuing now because, uh, unless someone has anything else no, to say. No, keep going. Me. Okay. So my last thing is like, I just want to like rant for a second about like, the things I wish they would do with Star Trek that they don't do. Yeah. And so the first one is that in Deep Space Nine, uh, they like all the other uh, empires in the in, in the Alpha Quadrant have like their special secret arms, like the Tal Shiar and the uh, the Klingons' secret intelligence services and things like that. And they all like kind of have this like proxy war going on all the time in Deep Space Nine, but like also in the other uh, series as well. But it like really kind of comes out in Deep Space Nine. And it's revealed later on this in the uh, season, series that uh, Starfleet has one too, but no one knows about it. Not even Starfleet oh. officers. Dang. Uh, and it's called oh, yeah, Section... Oh, they're regular military, like, or regular fleet. They're not special... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, they're not a military. Starfleet is not, like, a military. I mean, their yeah. ships are capable of military maneuvers, but they're not... Like, they're explorers. Section 31 is all about, like, gathering dirt and, like, making weapons and fucking with people. And, like... The one thing that I think the J.J. Abrams movies did really well was it, it showed Section 31 building a fleet of warships, specifically warships, which is, like, against the Federation Charter. Like, they don't build warships. There, there's, like, one in the in the, the lore up until that point. The Defiant is built to be a warship. But besides that, it's all just, like, you know. That was something that completely did not, uh, I did not register. I did not know that. That I thought they were a military no, they're they're an exploration fleet. They're like they support. They can fight wars. They just that's not their point. That's not what they're there for. They're explorers. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I so, thought it gets confusing because yeah. they're firing torpedoes yeah. like oh, every other could. episode. So they, yeah. it, I think that's where the and everyone's captain or admiral. Right. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. military. Uh, and and lingo. also like the the lingo and and the the onesies and. <laughs> Yeah, okay, but, like, it's I guess... It's more nautical than military. You got military, your, your you buttons, know? too. Yeah. You know, you get your rankings. And... I guess I thought that the the Enterprise was the exploration ship in a military fleet. Yeah. But I guess it's the oh. other way around, that there's an exploration sh- fleet with maybe a military ship. Yeah, and, like, I mean, they're all... It's like privateering, kind of. Like, they don't want to fight. They're never going to fight if they unless they have to. Like, they're not going to... These ships are, like, built to be, like, viable military vessels, but their main purpose is to, like, escort cargo or, like, transport an ambassador or, like, you know, do, like, exploration of different kinds. I mean, yeah, I felt that way about the Enterprise because there's, like, families on board. So, like, I never felt like the Enterprise was, like, a warship, but, yeah, I guess I... 
felt the same way. Oh, I was just saying, like, I kind of felt the same way Emily did in the sense that it was just like, oh, yeah, they were... They were going out exploring stuff, and then there were other ships back home that were, like, you know, flying the line or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you're... So, I think they probably do have some, like, fighter interceptors or something, but, like, they have no, like, capital ships that are specifically for battle, except the Defiant. And they make a big deal out of it in Deep Space Nine about building the Defiant specifically to fight off this one threat that is, like, real powerful. War but, immediately is like that's where I sleep. I sleep yeah. on the warship. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but anyways, the point is in the J.J. Abrams movies, they create, they they bring up Section 30, uh, 31 as like this uh, extra Starfleet power within the Starfleet infrastructure that is making like weaponized warships, like capital ships. And I thought that was really cool because I think Section Thirty One has a lot of really cool potential for like stories, and like I would love to see. Yeah. A much longer series or, or something based on, like, the exploits of Section 31 and, like, what their secret missions are and how they interact behind the scenes of the of the other series that we don't know about because, like, they're secret, you know? I yeah. think that'd be really And cool. apparently very good at it. That's the one yes. thing I love about Secret Societies is, like, but, but within, like, um, like, series like this where it's, like... Or, like, yeah, like, maybe not necessarily a secret society, but, like, an elite whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh, but everybody knows about them. You know, it's like, oh, so <laughs> obviously, like, they might be efficient in terms of their, like, cap- you know, like, Green Berets, but they're yeah. not, like, a secret, you know? Like, what, so- I, as, as what I uh, would like, because for, like you were saying, the secrets, the secrety black ops kind of situation it always like devolves into like okay now everybody knows about us and now we're operating like in a in a tv uh situation yeah it's always like the first maybe episode is like about how secret they are and then the rest of it is like everybody (laughs) infiltrated yeah (laughs) everybody knows we're operating on this level of knowledge and i would really like for the whole series to just be like them skulking around other people's ships. Yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> pretending that they're doing something else. I don't know. Yeah, um, that'd be bad. It would be, and like carrying out these like huge, you know, life-saving missions. But like then, just like I am a visiting doctor. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like watching Star Trek, uh, like watching Star Trek from like the guest star, like from their perspective of like I'm just the doctor here for the week. Oh. I'm gonna solve this thing, and then oh, I got, I died. Yeah, <laughs> I died. I yeah, I love because we also have the technology in terms of like how we make, like make movies, make films, make TV shows nowadays, where it's like they could totally have like, you know, like me and Brian are the like secret ops people having a conversation and in the background you watch the like walk and talk of like Riker and Picard go by. Oh yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You know, like. Did that in Deep Space Nine really well? Yeah. The original, they do uh, all the DS9 characters go back in time and are like with Kirk and Spock. Oh, with, that was the Tribble episode, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's one of my favorite episodes. Yeah, they should they should like redo all of all of uh, the Next Generation, but with this like uh, what is it called? Thirty one. Section thirty one. Section yeah. thirty one people <laughs> yeah. just like in the background of every shot. I would love it. I would watch yeah. it. Yeah, so that'd be so good. Instead, they keep like seven seasons of material right there. Yeah, <laughs> and like it would be like, what is that noise behind you? It's like, oh god, they just like took this virus on board, and everyone's dying, and it's just like, can you just let me focus for one second? I mean, oh god. 
It's just him hanging out at the bar with Guinan, like trying to figure <laughs> out what she knows. Yeah, yeah right. that's right. Yeah. Oh, so man. that's like that's the first thing I wish they would do with like the Star Trek franchise and take it. In that that's direction. really good, Maddie. Thank yeah, that's you. a good idea. Thank you. And then the second thing is that in Enterprise they bring up this idea of a, a temporal cold war, and so it's being fought across time by uh, different species that are trying to both like some of them are trying to preserve the uh, the timeline, some of them are trying to change it for good or for worse, and um, because you don't want to change anything, you don't mean to change. They also have to be secret about it when they go back in time. And so there are episodes in Enterprise, uh, the, the, the series I'm watching now, where these guys will show up and be like, yeah, there's a temporal cold war and there's like a, a time agent on your ship doing some crazy things and like we're going to need you to do X, Y, and Z. And it doesn't necessarily need to make sense to you. It just needs to happen. Wow. And like, I think that would be a really cool... And in one season, this uh, episode in particular... They take the captain, Jonathan Archer, onto a time ship, the time ship Enterprise, and it's badass. It's so cool. And, like, the technology is just, like, light everywhere and, like, weird bubbles floating around and, like, because it's from, like, the, the 30th century or something. What, what's, what series is this? Uh, Enterprise, which is um, the one that came before Discovery. The Scott Bakula one. Scott Bakula one, that's correct. Okay. And like that is that, how we shall refer to it. <laughs> the Scott Bakula one. <laughs> but um, I think that would be a really cool, like, arc to watch and, and like, watch play out. Because then you could take from all the other series and, like, take mm. the lore. And, like, you could even... Here's the thing. If you really had to have your, like, your alternate universe where everything is a lens flare uh, Star Trek, you could use this, that series as, like, a bridge between the two yeah. universes. Yeah. You're like, hey, the time war didn't go exactly as we planned. It turned out okay, but everything's a lens flare now. Let's keep yeah. moving. <laughs> we have or lens only... flare-based technology. Yeah. So. That's how you can tell which, like, as a viewer, when you're watching the show, is like, okay, which timeline are we in right now? Oh, we're in lens flare, flare world. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> lens flare. It would be like a okay. beautiful reveal, too. Can you imagine, like, everybody's, it's kind of androgynous and ambiguous what's going on or where you are, and then just, like, the slightest of, and lens flare and everyone's like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as a reveal, like, people right. just we're, be like, oh, we're in the oh, other timeline. Yeah. Like, you know, something could happen and you're just like, what the, oh my God, it makes so much sense now. Lens, <laughs> lens flare. Lens flare. I just think so like good. The, the temporal time war would be like a really cool uh, way of taking it into the future because like, that's another thing Star Trek is all about is like taking it into the future and like, What's the next yeah. crazy technology? And, like, they keep bringing it closer and closer to our current time. And it's just, like, it's boring. Like, we've seen it all already. Like, we've got a lot of inspiration from it. We still might get some inspiration. But, like, let's give us the next thing we want to shoot for in, like, 100 years from now. Like, or 50 or 70 years from now. Like, what technology are we going to see in this crazy show that we're going to grow up with and then we're going to try and build? Yeah. Like, we already got communicators. We did it. Good job, everybody. You know? <laughs> we got virtual reality. Yeah, exactly. Trains. Yeah. So, like, let's give us something new and something rad. You know? Anyways. Those are, that's my rant about what Star Trek should do. Thank you for coming to my <laughs> TED Talk. <laughs> I really like both of those ideas. Yeah. And... I think if done in the way that you... I can see both of those ideas being taken and 
written horribly. <laughs> yeah, of but course. if they follow your discretion, if they listen to your words, it would be worth watching. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Brian. I'm going to send JJ Abrams this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brian's last episode. Uh, it's been great having him on here, but. Like yeah. gasoline yeah. on a flame. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so true, and I'm so right, and I'm glad everyone agrees. Honestly, I want to have uh, us do a whole episode on the Prime Directive, because we didn't even touch on it. No, and it's very um, important. And it, it has, like, a whole bunch of, like, different, um, different, I, we could talk about it forever, I'm sure, so we'll we'll do that another time. Um, um, I was thinking, actually, as I was, I was walking today, and, like, there's plenty of media that when you watch it, it's like something's being force-fed to you, and you're, like, full at the end of it, but... Star Trek, when I watch it, it it's like nourishes me. It nourishes my brain. And so when it's over, I'm like excited and I'm thinking more about more things. And I think that's really part of the beauty of Star Trek is that it does it. It nourishes your brain like it like speculative fiction. It like makes you think of more and more possibilities of like what life is and what life. It leaves you with more questions than answers. Whereas, like, a lot of other media, it just leaves you with all the answers, and you're just, like, full. And you're like, okay, I don't have to but think why? about this again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't have to think about this ever again. There were no questions unanswered. Great. That was and, a like, good way of putting it, Emily. That is a good way of putting it. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That's okay. And I, that's why I like speculative fiction, <laughs> even if, like, some of the themes don't really um, jive with me sometimes. It's like, it makes you think of more possibilities and more, and makes you be creative in your own head, I guess. So, okay. Um, I want to thank do, Brian for recording yes, with us. Thank you yeah, guys. this is fun. I hope I didn't, like, interrupt too much. No, it's great, because we're all on separate <laughs> yeah. things, so I can mute people and not other people. Oh, so it's nice. great, because... You know what you're some, doing. Yeah, if someone has, like, a funny thing that nobody heard, like, I hear everything you mumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, oh no. So sometimes I'll like, oh that's funny and I couldn't I didn't hear it the first time around, so I just like either mute everybody else or move everyone else aside so it can hear that and then hear everybody else. So I'm just gonna constantly whisper more nonsense now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, that's so much work for me. I'm sorry. I won't um, no, I, I think you definitely elevated us, babe. Yes, no, definitely. For sure. Thanks for thanks um, for playing. Thank you so much for listening, storytellers. Don't be a trope, you dopes. Always practice safe diplomacy. And if you ever see a monolith floating out in space, do not approach. (laughs) (laughs) And keep telling your stories. My name is Emily, and I am looking for an honorable Klingon death. My name is Lauren, and I'm that holodeck program you want so bad. I'm Brian, and I'm here to redirect the plasma relay in order to bring 7% efficiency to the tractor beam. And I'm Matt, and I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> so good, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs>